The following program contains irreverent humor, brilliant insights, and story elements from television or film that may give away important details. We got spoilers, or as they say in Klingon, Gumaka. Don't say we didn't warn you. In the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Lathe, we get a glimpse of just how racist and deceptive Vulcans can be. Ambassador Sarek flies through space to meet with the Klingons to broker a peace deal when his shipmate, an undercover logic extremist, attempts to sabotage the treaty by turning himself into a bomb in order to kill Sarek and make Vulcan great again. Mavuga? Lost in a nebula and barely clinging onto life, Sarek reaches out telepathically to Michael Burnham, who senses he's in danger. Burnham convinces Captain Lorca to rescue her daddy. But during the interstellar mind meld, we discover the reason why Spock and his dad Sarek have been so tense with each other all these years. Meanwhile, Admiral Cornwell is investigating how fit for duty Lorca is by sleeping with him. What the track? Welcome to the podcast where we fabulously explore all the strange new episodes from the TV series Star Trek Discovery. I'm your ship's captain, Fausto Fernos. Yes, that's a phaser in my backside. My, how I've missed you. <laughs> Please welcome my first officer and husband, Mark Felian, where no man has gone before. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Say hi to our communications officer, Colette Gregory. Hailing frequencies are open. Find me on Tinder, Bumble, Facebook, and Christian Mingle and say, hail. And say hi to our astrometrics lab tech, Fox E. Get away from her, you bitch, Kim. Last survivor of the Nost Homo. She only comes at night. Well, mostly. <laughs> Sadly, Ensign Brian Sweeney is on an away mission to get some more dick-flavored tacos. <laughs> hey, uh, Foxy Kim, what happens in space? In a K-hole, no one can hear you scream. Oh, <laughs> you're a beast and a beauty. You look fabulous in that uh, all-sequined nice. silver yeah. gown. Yeah, it's it fantastic. Great, it has a little stain. It on protects that. you from the has the radioactive space yes, from the um, yes from the, the, the dilithium spores. spores yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Colette, you, you will think that Colette's on her phone all the time, but she's actually trying to translate everything we're saying into her native language, which we're just not sure what that is. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out, too. Uh, all that code switching gets a bitch tired. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, week, uh, they, they had a new episode, Lathe, which is named after the Greek goddess of... Memory loss mm. and deceit. Mm. Well, I think it's a river that runs through Hades, right? Yes. And mm. so it's like of a, a, a forgetfulness. So, so the question is, is like, what does that refer to? Does it refer to Sark uh, kind of deceiving Michael Burnham on why she wasn't chosen to go to the Vulcan Academy Science yes. Academy? No, not the. I'm sorry. The Expedition. Vulcan Expo Exploratory Group, right? Mm -hmm. Expeditionary. Yeah. Expeditionary Group. Mm -hmm. And or it was uh, a reference to the original series, uh, Lathe, which was a character mm -hmm. in reference mm -hmm. to that Greek mythology. Or it also could be a reference to the uh, Ash, who may or may not be Klingon and may not even know he's Klingon. Or Lorca, because he full of lies and deceit. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, sh they should call this discovery. They should call it lies, lies, Liza Minnelli lies. <laughs> the ship of lies. Well, I guess that's part of the reason why they call it discovery, because we're, we're, we're discovering not just like things in space and exploring things, but we're discovering like who these people are and their motivations and what's going on. Well, uh, Foxy Kim and Mark, you guys both subscribe to the theory that the reason they cast um, Kate Mulgrew as Voyager's captain is because she's a soap opera star. 
Well, and, and and you know, Star Trek is a soap opera in space. Anyways, it is, anyway, so yeah. is a soap I opera. Mean, it, yeah, it, it has all the soap opera, you know, things where it, nothing really happens for a long time, and then everything happens at the end. So it's kind of <laughs> it's very similar to that sort of soap opera structure. Well, right? also too, they cast her yeah. because they had already cast uh, Jean-Vierre Bujold, and they knew that that was going to work out, and they had this whole production. So they were just like, oh my god, who can we get in here <laughs> at the last minute? The last Mrs. Minute. Columbo to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, we uh, we get uh, the guy, the bad guy from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. As a captain. Well, I don't know if he was a last-minute uh, addition or not to the show, but uh, you know, I think see, certainly he's a good fit because you already have that feeling of him being evil because he was Malfoy's dad. You know, he was right. Lucius Malfoy, and he was uh, uh, evil, and so we're like, is he evil in this? Yeah, he's I mean, always playing evil characters. He was, yeah. you know, in the OA, he was evil. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the mad uh-huh. scientist in the OA. But Is you know he, what? He looks mm-hmm. good without his shirt on, uh-huh. I have to say. <laughs> evil does a body good. Ask all my exes in prison. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like, like her a, already. <laughs> he's like a hot, hot dad. But is he evil or is he just, you know... Playing the game, mm-hmm. right? Or is well, he just being smart? Like I, I mean, I think the entire thing that happened was a setup. So mm-hmm. you know, I what think do you mean the entire it. thing? So when the admiral got captured by the Klingons, I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain he knew that that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's like, like see, so, like that's like, even like biblical because when you look back at like King David, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the biblical times, you know, King of Bible. Israel from the Bible, he sent he was hot for his uh, his, his his best friend's wife, mm-hmm. Uriah, Uriah's wife, mm-hmm. and so you know th- this. Uh, and he, so he wanted him, so he wanted to get Uriah out of the picture, so he sent Uriah out to the front lines. Whereas, you know, he's really hot for his ship, the disco ship, as we now call it. Uh, is the, uh, so the he's like ship. trying to get rid of the person that might thwart his efforts. So he's sending Cromwell to go meet the Klingons because he's like, well, maybe she'll get captured, maybe she'll get killed, and then I'll still have my ship. That was the ultimate fuckboy move. Now, I had fuckboys yeah. play some games with me, <laughs> but ain't none of them ever sent me off to get captured by Klingons. So I was like, okay, now they got new things in their tool belts. Like, watch out, girls. Watch out. Now, uh, it is very unprofessional if you're investigating your, what is it, not your inferior? Your underling or whatever you call it. You know, your subordinate officer. Your subordinate officer. Mm-hmm. She made the first move. Cornwell or Bonewell. <laughs> Who did she, though? Well, she, she made the first move on him. She put her hand on his thigh. Well, she and she took off her little, uh, you know, communicator device and was like, this Which is we all know is like, wonka, wonka, wonka mm-hmm. for, for Star Trek. When you really want to get naked and intimate with somebody, you take your communicator badge off. Mm-hmm. Note to self. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you turn off your cell phone when you're like, you know, it's like when you're... I don't. I don't Snapchat it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't have What's somebody tracking your ass, though. Like, here, I'll, I'll just show you my. Here, I'll show you my ghost right now. That's why Snapchat is good because it's not a permanent record of you getting fisted. I, that has a lot of Foxy presuppositions Kim. in it, yeah. right there. Right I there. do not get fisted. I'm going to stop you. Kissing. Right there you 69. go. Well, I have um, Snapchatted some friends. When I've been really? Yeah, you've, I, I was, you've actually done this for real. Mm, I was People do it drunk, all the time. Yeah, you know, and you get blacked out. People then. asked me to do this, and I was like, I would die if I submitted. You know, Mark and I one time. This is a really quick aside. We took some pictures of ourselves having sex, and it just. It was embarrassing. We looked sweaty and tired, and you know, we felt good. But in the photo, we're like, uh, uh, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Well. We're not porn stars. Sorry. Yeah, like, well, porn is about an idea. You know. Anyway. You know, there are some issues around consent. You mm-hmm. know, if your partner didn't consent to being snapped or, you know, video. But if you can't see their face, does it really matter? You're right. Buttholes can't consent. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but, all holes can't. You know, and it's not like people my age, but people like your age in their mid-20s, right, Foxy? They're always sending pictures like, this is the guy I'm hooking up with. This is the guy I'm oh, fucking yeah. right now. That kind of stuff. But just think about this. Mm-hmm. You're... It, in a meeting with your boss, who yeah. you, I guess may or may not have a history with, right. and we don't even know yeah. if they're, yeah. they might be friends, right? And well, she takes off her communicator and badge, but she puts her hand on his thigh, and then, you know, they well, go clear, naked. Yeah. Why is this her fault, though? And, you know, and maybe 
it's a natural reaction to having sex with Cornhole or whatever her name is. Cornhole. Cornwell. With her Cornhole. Bonewell. I like calling her Bonewell. Mm-hmm. Although Bonewell. she didn't feel like she got boned well. And he, he pulls out a gun on her, and maybe that's just that, a normal reaction to her. He has mm-hmm. PTSD, clearly. Yeah, yeah like that's likes, PTSD. You know, it's a his little kink, you know? It's like a little phaser play. What's the big deal? But is, is her having sex with him part of her investigation to trap him in a vulnerable state so oh, she can be like, I think he trapped her. Honeypot. Honeypot. It's clear that they had a relationship before, right? That they they this is not the first time they've had sex together because she also says to her, like, and we had sex, it wasn't like before. And so that also, and that's what is weird about uh, this whole thing too, is like, you know, when we looked at this, you know, we're talking about this episode length, but like on the last episode, we end with him looking out the window, he sees his reflection in the window, and he's got like that phaser in his in his in his ass, right? And it's like <laughs> in his back pocket. His back. Yeah. And, but the thing is, it's like uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't quite get that. You know, but is it is he a mirror universe person? Is he the first person to come from the universe of, of the uh, of the mirror universe? Because remember, they've been dealing with this spore drive for a little while now, since after right. the battle of mm. the binary stars. Mm-hmm. He may have been one of the first people to get transferred over because he's been evil from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, is who's set up this whole discovery thing? Was Brian Fuller? Brian Fuller was the uh, the right. showrunner. He's, he's the like, executive producer, yeah. but he's since but left the production. Left. And what is Brian Fuller famous for doing initially? What TV series did he do? He's like done Pushing Up Daisies. He did Heroes. Okay, but he, did he do Lost as well? He did not do Lost. Because I'm, I'm, my biggest fear is at the end of the oh, season. God. Not like this finale. It's be long. like, like oh, this has all been a mirror universe. Dun, 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 dun. Everybody's happy on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like right. that we've been watching the the well, evil Star Trek all mm-hmm. along. It doesn't add up to the mirror universe that we've seen so far. Because yeah. in the other, in the mirror universe that we've seen uh, in the other episodes, the 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 the, the, um, the Vulcans are basically enslaved by humanity. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Vulcans are. Yeah, I was just watching Enterprise, and they were. <laughs> I finally finished that Godforsaken series, but mm. yeah, they're they're enslaved in the mirror universe by Terrans, right? The humans. So. Well, certainly, you know, something's up with Stamens. He's flying the ship high on mushrooms. <laughs> And he's having a fabulous time, and he's getting boned. It's like it's a perfect job, well, we don't know perfect if life. We, that's the thing: is, is he we getting don't. boned in this universe, or is that the mirror universe boning? Oh, <laughs> so know? that may be addressed as why we didn't see any of that storyline in this episode. Because like mm-hmm. maybe that was a mirror universe thing, right? Because like when we saw them, so we saw him, uh, uh, you know, Doctor Cruz in the mirror, and then they walked away. But yet, uh, Stamets, Stamets was still left there. Yeah, so wasn't we there know. like a gospel song that says, "From a distance"? We are friends. Oh, that Midler sang that, that song. Was, I mean, a yeah. gay gospel. Yeah. I think that's from Beaches. <laughs> the gospel right. of the gays, yes. <laughs> in the mirror ben universe, Miller. we are all friends. Aww. Or enemies. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, in the mirror universe, anything that doesn't work well is all fucked up and vice versa. Mm. You know, right. it basically, like, all, don't worry about anything because in the mirror universe, it's been resolved. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I, so, so... Okay, so let's let's start off at the top of talking about Mag- Mavoga make Vulcan great again. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of people have these ideas that you know Klingons and Vulcans have been presented to us over the years in Star Trek are these very noble species that are very uh, hardworking, very de- dedicated to their job, very mm-hmm. loyal, very uh, sincere. Model minorities. Mm-hmm. Model minorities. Oh. But think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the the two major species is the Klingons and the Vulcans, and we see them through the eyes of outsiders. Worf was an outsider, and Spock was an outsider to his own culture. And when we actually start investigating and start seeing those cultures up close— we realize they're just like us, all fucked up. Well, I think when you see the original, the series, uh, the Vulcans were held like to a much higher standard, and you do see some of the problems with it, you know, some of the relationship between Spock and his father, but we don't really delve into Vulcan culture all that much until, I guess, really more until you see like Enterprise. Enterprise and then, is probably the most Vulcan culture I feel like yeah. you get exposed to, yeah. because you really do see how they are actually quite deceitful, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of unrest within their own world, mm-hmm. um, but... 
I think it's all just you know very gilded, and you know they just they think everything's great on the outside. It was very Voyager that somewhere. guy who injected himself mm. with oh, a bomb, yes. turning yes. your your body into a bomb. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard of your body is a battleground by Barbara Kruger was a battle cry for feminists in the mm. late '80s. Mm-hmm. Well, now your body is a weapon mm-hmm. in Star Trek, just by injecting it with stuff. Um, in Voyager, there was a one of those Oompa Loompa species, the the Cool. The, in the first season, oh this is also a plotline in Enterprise too. The like, yeah, the, the guy injects himself get, with the, the, stuff. the religious fanatics get on Enterprise yeah. and take over it and stuff, and they go and, and they, blow they blow themselves up. So this I'm is like, a I've common seen thing. This, I've seen, yeah, yeah. this is thing I've seen. And so this so guy, like suicide bomber. Yes, yeah. but your body yeah. is the bomb. Mm-hmm. Which right. is a, thank the you. Oh, that was a compliment. But <laughs> you say my body was the bomb. I'm sorry. Sorry, got distracted. And so here we're seeing this guy, and he's revealing himself. You know, he's a trusted uh, associate of Sarek. And, and he's like, and a motherfucking racist. You know, mm-hmm. he's just like, he feels that his uh, species, his planet is being diluted by all this immigrant species mm-hmm. coming in, which is very much a reflection of what we're seeing here in the con- in our country. The Kazon. The, da- the Kazon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Kazon. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Oompa Loompas. The yes. with, didn't they, were they the ones with the phage or whatever? No, no. They, that they was a different phage. one. That was a different okay. one. And so we, we're about. starting to see a really interesting, a much more rounded picture of Vulcan society. Mm-hmm. It's not as perfect as it mm-hmm. seems. But it's, it seems as though it was something you would kind of expect, isn't it? I mean, just look at, uh, you know, this human society that we live in and how we treat different cultures and like these are people from a whole different planet yeah you know so you wouldn't be surprised if you're like oh my god you don't want to mix with them because we have a lot of people even on this planet today that they don't want people to mix with each other Uh and you look at our anti-immigration policies that we have right now a lot of critics of the of Discovery right now are calling it anti-American, right? Because Discovery is very pro-globe and pro-diversity yeah pro-diversity and like that the diversity makes you stronger and that it's, you know, it's all about being together and stuff. That's and, always been uh, part of Star been, Trek. And this is, right, this is the first thing about Star Trek, right? Yeah. Is that's always what it's been. They live in a very post-scarcity economic. Nobody, there's no such thing as money. There's no such thing as war or poverty or crime on Earth, right? Because we've moved beyond that. Or um, kitchens. And or there probably isn't such a thing purses. as America. Sorry, guys. Like, get over mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, this is the, basically the United Federation of Planets. Mm-hmm. I'm from a little town in Ohio. What is it? Spock? I'm sorry. Kirk is from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Janeway is Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, she's from Indiana. She's from Indiana, and you're like, what? They're all Midwesterners. And then this guy, to make them likable, yeah. mm-hmm. is from likable. Uh, yeah. Seattle. Outside of Seattle, it was yeah. very important that he let him know that it was yeah. outside of Seattle. <laughs> Who's this guy? That is Ash. Ash. Ash, Ash Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. It's, uh, Ash is, is is interesting because you know we were theorizing last week that he was actually uh, the Klingon. Volk, Vok, how do I say that? Mm-hmm. How do I say that name? It rhymes with your favorite body part. Oh, God. Okay. I'll never forget it. Like, I've never oh forgotten a, a cock. Um, yes, oh. so it's interesting that he, he has this backstory that uh, Lorca's obviously investigated, but uh, I don't know if that's because he is, uh, you know, the, the Klingon mothers did their, the matriarchs did their work and set him up with a really good backstory. Like, maybe they're really good hackers. I don't know. I don't know if Klingons code well. Um, or is it because he took over the the body of someone or the identity of someone who actually did die mm. at the at the, the battle of the binaries? Mm. So so the big question is like you know is Vok giving up everything by turning himself into a human and f- even forgetting that he is Klingon mm. and that's ultimately what we're everybody's like hanging on to. And it could be a misdirection mm-hmm. in the in the screenwriters. It could be a misdirection, but it also yeah. could be it's, you know, we don't know. It's like our clue maybe because of the title of the show, Lathe, but also, too, is, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Saru mm-hmm. with his little mm-hmm. threat ganglia. Yeah. Threat ganglia. Yeah. So they might be like, listen, he'll understand if you're a Klingon, if you go and you have your own mind. So he might be like just like a sleeper agent, and like mm-hmm. at some point in time, he's oh. going to have to wake up, and Get he's going to have to make a choice, like, do do I do what I have to do, uh, you know, to save the Klingon Empire, or do I 
you know, stay on the ship and become part of Starfleet because, you know, you see this relationship with uh, Michael Burnham starting. And it's mm-hmm. like, you oh, know, yeah, in the previews, you see them kissing. Yes, oh, really? The previews of the episodes. They're kissing? Mm-hmm. She get her swirl on. Oh, yeah. So he's deep in covers. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Deep in her covers. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but, uh, so, but it's interesting, though, that because Lorca told him when they were doing that fight simulations, like, mm-hmm. you fight like a Klingon. Mm-hmm. So yes. he's retained mm-hmm. at least that. And his no. cover for that was, oh, well, you live with so them for so long yeah. and you fight mm-hmm. with them that you get it. But is that because he is a Klingon and he trained as a Klingon? Mm. Inter- so I know, we'll yeah, see. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's, you know, obviously meant to get us excited about the possibility of him being undercover. And, mm. and you know, a good screenwriter is going to be like, I fooled you. Mm-hmm. you know, well, I think, too, it's like, you know, if you stay up like the internet, I think a lot of people are, are fooled by it. Our friend, you know, Brian Sweeney, who couldn't be here this week because uh, he's not feeling well, like, that took him by surprise last week when we said, hey, we think that Ash might be mm-hmm. Bob. And he's just like, I don't know what? what? I was just like, immediately when I saw Ash's character, I was mm-hmm. like, this is a, vol- a Klingon uh, yeah. without the ridges. Yeah. And there was like, yeah. you know, you're presented with these two choices in that prison. You're Harry Mudd, who's a scoundrel, or this other guy. And so you're like, who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. who's he going to trust? And like, of course, you know, he runs off with Ash and leaves uh, Harry Mudd behind. But the other thing with this whole Lorca is, too, is like, he tells them that, like, I killed everybody on my ship so they wouldn't be uh, uh, tortured by by the Klingons and Ash is just like okay so it's like was he testing him does he already kind of know or is he just like evil from the mirror universe and it's like that's just what we do over there because like a real Star Trek captain would never be allowed to like kill everybody on his ship and still maintain command or just not not know about it it. like it must be like his secret but it's weird to me also that he trusts uh, Ash so easily mm-hmm. that he's gotten so close to him that he wants to offer him the uh, what is it like security the security, security officer, officer yeah, be officer, head yeah. of security and, uh, and you know he sent him on the mission with Michael who he wants to protect so whole, yeah, the whole it's, it's strange weird. because the the captain seems like very strategic I would even argue a sociopath um, oh, yes <laughs> he seems very strategic and so it, it's weird that he would trust this person so easily when he's so tr- strategic and and not trusting of everyone else mm. it's almost like yeah. he knows something we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you maybe know. he well, does know, and he he's using him as some type of pawn. Maybe they keep your enemies closer. I keep your enemies closer. I want to really know what happened at the Battle of um, Brown with his eyes. They keep they mention it again. Mm-hmm. And with the PTSD and stuff like that, what's going on there? Well, you know, his eyes um, are just so beautiful. He's lost on uh, them. Because Cornwall, she mentions it, and she goes, you're still not over it, and blah, 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 blah. And this is with the, with the gun, when he yeah. pulls a phaser on her and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, And what were those symbols on his sexy ass back? Oh, yeah. yeah. What were they? And why won't he get his eyes fixed? And why does it remember? You're like, there's so many questions about. I know some guys who have, like, uh, Starfleet tattoos. Like, there, there's one guy at our gym who has that. He He's like, yeah. Oh, he had to cling on something or other. Yeah, and I was just like, it's, and I guess I'm just starting to notice these more because we're mm-hmm. watching the show. Right. And yeah. I also noticed, too, yeah. on some of their uniforms, the emblem has a uh, different kind of, uh, it looks almost like the Avengers emblem. It almost oh, looks yeah, like that. Totally I'm just like, wait. Okay, like, let's talk about exercise and fitness <laughs> on the star. Disco. <laughs> Disco shit. Disco fitness. I love Mark, it. Mark, you finally figured out why, why the way it says disco. What did you dis- think it was? I, at first, we're like, I didn't, at first we didn't know. <laughs> for like, discovery. Is it disco? Was it retro? Discovery, yeah. For discovery, yeah. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to have some type of like retro party this episode. Or I was like, okay. Fire, you know? Having that, a theme party, mm-hmm. got disco shirts on. Right, yes. and Stamus is like, oh, that's groovy. Mm-hmm, and you're kind of yeah. like, so they like well, definitely winked at us with that groovy comment. Mm-hmm. That's really cute. And you know they're going to start selling those shirts. Mm-hmm. I would buy it. Yeah, I'm merch like, opportunity. Now, you think that, you know, the Discovery being the most advanced piece of technology in all Starfleet, and it doesn't have a gym or a running track. So well, Tilly and Burnham, seen. they're having to run through the halls while everybody of them is trying to work, carrying, you know, <laughs> delicate <laughs> bombs and flasks and they're shit. They're show-offs, you know? Yeah, that whole, I didn't understand the plot line. Or like was, a treadmill. Yeah. I mean, right. well, like, well the plot line is, is that, you know, we see the, uh, you know, she's trying to give her advice on how to become a captain. She's trying to, you know, mentor her the way that she was mentored by Sarek. And in the end, uh, you know, she understands that mentoring by somebody with some, by somebody has complications and mm-hmm. sometimes you can mm-hmm. force somebody to live a life that they don't necessarily want to live. And so at the end, she's just like, you know, 
do what you want to do. And the girl's always like, tell, stop, what's your name? Tilly. 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 Yeah. Tilly's like, oh, I am already. Yeah. Don't worry about you it. You can remember Tilly's name mm-hmm. by just saying, shut up, Tilly. Yeah, shut up, Tilly. <laughs> 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 Anytime Tilly talks, you're just like, oh, jeez. Where's the tomato salsa, Tilly? Like, <laughs> well, she's definitely down, not on the spectrum. So, because she is talking up a storm. She's mm-hmm. awkward, mm-hmm. but she does not have like the social inability. She's not inhibited. Mm-hmm. So. so, do you think they just mm-hmm. kind of give up on that plot line or that character trait of hers? Or well, it, she was definitely introduced as having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was introduced as like maybe being on. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we've talked about. I think that they nerd, realized right? it wouldn't like lend to character development. Um, you know, it would be more mm-hmm. of a, a hindrance to us getting to know her and getting to like mm-hmm. her. And and the fact that Michael is so reserved, we couldn't have two reserved people together. It's them mm-hmm. playing off of each other. That that's cute. Mm-hmm. Well, so I just thought that maybe they put them there because they were both special needs to some degree. What? You know, it's like. <laughs> No, I mean, that's why they put, put them together and in, in, as roommates, that they were both sort of like, uh, you know, accessibility challenged with their emotions to some. Well, I, I think that might be part of the reason because, you you know, you have her uh, being uh, Tully. T- Tilly. Tilly. <laughs> Shut Tilly. up, Tilly. That's I'm how you Tilly. remember. Shut, Shut up, Tilly. Tilly. <laughs> and so you see Tilly, and so she's awkward, and people are be really annoyed by her. So, like, let's put somebody on there that has some kind of, like, you know, ab- ability to kind of, like, shut down that emotion, mm-hmm. and that would be a, uh, a Vulcan. Now, when you're but, done with your workout, you're having a great, you know, you're, you're going to get a uh, cheeseburger and fries, mm-hmm. or you can get brown rice and vegetables. That computer in Discovery <laughs> is a shady sassy. bitch. <laughs> that computer is so sassy. You're like, uh, <laughs> it tells you the nutritional content of your food and whether yeah. you're eating junk food. And I guess yeah. this green drink they're all eating green is. Tea. Mm-hmm. No, it's, well, it's like a beverage. Well, Michael had green tea. Michael had green tea. High in yeah. antioxidants. But she had green. What did she have? The other, Tally had green juice. Green juice. And then and there's like with extra green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I assumed it was like more spinach, like yeah. nutrition and no, stuff like that. But you're saying it's a junk food. No, and then so that if you hear the computer, the computer's like, you don't want that girl. Look at your <laughs> <laughs> look, look at, at your raggedy ass. Yeah. It's like that <laughs> you know, looks looks like somebody's gonna be wearing an extra large uniform. Better get that uh, I got the new uniform for you, Tilly. <laughs> You sure oh you want to drink that mm-hmm. green juice? Why don't you have brown rice and vegetables, darling? <laughs> yeah, she was a little shady. That can be a little you know, shady a little, as hell. little bit like my grandma who will say, you know, oh, I can tell you've been eating well, you know. <laughs> that is not a compliment, okay? Deanna Troy would have lost her marbles if she ordered some chocolate ice cream from the holiday, from the, what is it, the replicator. Mm-hmm. And the replicator's like, you sure you want that? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure like food in the future, like you can taste good, but like, you know, have nutrition in it well, or they, something, right? I, they, replicated yeah. food doesn't taste good. They've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. How you can tell something replicated versus cooked. Like, in Well, think about day. it this way. Yeah. Replicators yeah. are programmed by people who know a lot about computers mm-hmm. and probably very little about food. This is a huge issue in Voyager. Yes. Um, so we're, we're with Neelix and all that. So And there's cooking. been speculation mm-hmm. in, in a lot of fan fiction that people who are on diets in Star Trek or like our bulimics, they teleport the food out of their stomach. <laughs> Into outer space. What episode? What cartoon was that on? Was it was that, something like a, I was reading about that in in some fan fiction, but that, that you know it wasn't a cartoon. I forget yeah. when it was Family Guy or something like that. I don't forget. And they were just they kept teleporting stuff out of their stomach, but they went too far. Like I think they teleported all their guts out or oh, something oops. like that. Was disgusting. Well, I think that was uh, that was Family Guy. That was it Family like a, Guy? That sounds. Oh no, no the guy with no American Dad. American Dad. Yeah, I think it's American okay. Dad. And I think in one episode of Voyager, uh, Seven of Nine, whose body is possessed by the Doctor, <laughs> starts to discover that she can eat cheesecake right. and champagne, mm-hmm. and then she starts fucking. Like he she, starts fucking she, in her body and like making out. No. He didn't fuck. No, he, no, yes. no. Seven of no, nine is he did a not. never nude. So <laughs> no. the doctor watched that episode again. It's nude. alluded that he, she's he's been doing nasty shit with her body. He's he been eating over. stuff and drinking and giving her like a hangover and stuff because he's. But he makes out with she makes out. That's different. She does make out with a guy, but it was it was it was to kind of like get them out of prison. It wasn't like she was. But the doctor is willing to be gay in order to get out of prison. I don't think that he's a prison gay. There. And so we have to make out with a guy to get out of prison. Well, we've established that Star Trek right. is willing to basically, you know, do some pretty wild things mm-hmm. when it comes to food and those replicators. Yes. So, you know, I'm hoping that they sort of explore that a little bit further. 
in the next seasons because it'd be really hilarious. I just <laughs> like the idea of like you know when you're drunk and you want some cheese fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you just be like, computer, give me some cheese fries with bacon bits and ice cream on top. Well, now they drink synthahol, too. Does synthahol get you drunk or just like it gets you know. drunk, but you don't get no, hung over? You don't have a hangover. Like yeah. You don't. What do they drink on the bridge in Deep Space Nine? Oh, what's, what's Quark always selling them? Some, I don't remember. Some Romulan some, ale yeah, or something some, like some that. Some ale, yeah, Romulan ale or something. There. And, blood, and Klingon blood wine, which is mm-hmm. weird. Is it made from blood? One time, Kara asked for a Moscow mule, and I was just like, it's nice that they have those all the way in the future. Oh, yeah. And copper mugs to serve them in. So we finally understand the tension between Spock and his dad, Sarek. You know, and this is why I say about great art, it gives you the answers to questions you didn't realize he had. Mm. And we really didn't wonder that much about Spock's tension with his father, but now we sort of uh, explored that in this latest episode because we realized that Michael Burnham and Spock were siblings. Mm. And, you know, our daddy, Sarek, made a Sophie's Choice and sent Spock to the Academy, and Spock said, nah, I'm going to be a space hippie instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, you well, know, the, the Vulcan expeditionary group had uh, gave Sarek a choice. He's like, you have two kids. Uh, we don't want your will, your people in this group too much, so you have two children. Make a choice. Because they which, weren't full Vulcan. Don't Vulcan, forget the yeah. little racist yeah. shade right, that they the threw race. in there. Vulcans, yes. I think, are probably the most <laughs> racist of like any... <laughs> Like well, and they use there. that logic to get uh, there. And so, right. you know, and so he chooses, you know, he says, logic well, you know, he chooses his natural son as opposed to his adopted daughter uh, to 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 put forward for that. Uh, and so Michael loses her chance. And then when Spock is given the chance to enter the group, he turns it down because they are racist, because he's just like, uh, you know, they're like you can join despite your mother. And they're like, he's like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. And so uh, Sarek feels like I, you know, he probably feels a lot of guilt because Michael really wanted this and Michael would probably would have done very well but uh, he sends her to start she goes to Starfleet instead and then fucks everything up so Starfleet like the public school <laughs> kind of yeah little, it's you know. like Arizona State right, you know yeah, everybody right. can go party yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great <laughs> <laughs> would Michael Burnham been happy um, in 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 this, uh, had she been able to be mm. in part of well, the sci- uh, Vulcan world fully? Well, happiness is a human emotion, so no. Satisfied. Satisfied, yes, I think, yes. So, Foxy Kim, you've been watching a lot of Enterprise mm-hmm. where they explore the Vulcan world a little bit deeper. Yes. Are the Vulcans racist, or are they just proud of their Vulcan heritage? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're going to use logic to tell you that it's just it's logical to you know keep the Vulcans Vulcans and the humans humans, um, and that logic I mean is just if we were to put that analogous on Earth, it's, it is a very racist kind of logic, right? And so I think the Vulcans are a little bit, and they they pass it off as this: well, we don't lie and we don't do this, and that's fine if you don't lie, and that's fine if you're telling the truth what you believe, but. Your beliefs can be racist, right? So, well, yeah. Colette, uh, you've always heard, you know, at a at a party or uh, on this. I remember The Simpsons when mm-hmm. Barney gets drunk and he's saying racist things to Lisa. Mm-hmm. He says, "I just think we all be better off if black people had their own planet and white people had their own planet and Latinos had their own planet and Chinese people had their own planet." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's people don't want to phrase it as hatred of another race, but pride in their own race and wanting to, quote unquote, protect their way of life and their ideals. And, uh, you know, it's it's centering your your race or your um, ideals as better than other people. And, and that's when the problem comes along. Like, it's OK for it to have pride in, in your heritage. But if that means that you need to crush out or feel like it's superior than other people, then that's where the issue comes in. It's like, a, yeah. you know, loving yourself doesn't mean belittling others. Exactly. Right? And you see this in the most recent episode, right, with the Vulcans, where you think that they are just, they're cool. you think they're very cool-headed, very level-headed, and all of a sudden, no, they're not. Like, they truly think they are superior. They're literally uh, hot-headed. They're literally, right. Well, and, and they're fear. Yeah, they're, they're, right. they're fearful. Right. They do have a certain degree. You know, they criticize Burnham for her emotions, but they, they have a degree of them. So there's a hypocrisy um, there that we yeah, see. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, I, you I have to have emotions sure. to like blow yourself up. Like right, right. That's not, it's not. That's not logic. based on logic. Right. That's not yeah. logical. That is a very irrational sort of. Oh, yeah, I'm not getting my way, so I'm going to like. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the up. Vulcan way, though. Is like you can use logic to justify anything as mm-hmm. long as you feel like I can connect all these things and I do this, then people are going to uh, see the logic in it. And he thinks I'll kill myself and we'll make uh, Vulcan a better place. Well, that's just like extremism, right? Like oh, yeah, you know, right. people that their religion and religion is usually about loving people, but anything taken to any type of extreme is where the, where the problem comes in. So this is what I believe in and that I'm going to believe in anything uh, anything that, that is going to threaten it, then I have to crush that out. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, it becomes, you know, terrorism mm-hmm. in, in a way. Well, when you look at Vulcan history, they were very warlike people and they, they had like huge right. giant wars and like they were savages and they were, they were uh, murderous and it took them a long time for them to kind of like come together and say, hey, listen, we need to put that emotion to the side. Because, you know, we say they don't have emotions, but from what we understand is that they actually have uh, emotions that are much stronger and wilder than humans, mm. and they use this idea... They have idea, emotion suppressors. Yeah, yeah. and so they, they, su- yeah. they suppress right. these they emotions because uh, they are so intense. Right, and Vulcans are, as we've seen, telepathic, so they're able to use sort of their, their telepathic nature to sort of... Mind fuck each other. Yeah, exactly. And you see this, so about, what, 1,500 years before that is when the Vulcans sort of started to figure out how to suppress their emotions. Mm. Um, and they were, they after were just... After they split from the Romulans. Right, after they split from the Romulans, right. Like, they're very related to Romulans who they hate and consider very warlike, right, and awful and evil. And if you've seen some of the movies, right, that's a big mm-hmm. point. So the Romulans and the Vulcans um, are like uh, sisters, species, to right. some degree. And the, so the, the Romulans are very warlike, and the Vulcans are very peace-like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, we're starting to see that they're just, you know, not that different they're from each other. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. They just yeah, basically yeah. have different haircuts. <laughs> barely, yeah, barely even that. Yeah. Basically. But do they both experience Ponfar? I don't now, know. Now, Ponfar, Ponfar is, is very a concept of the Vulcans when <laughs> oh, yes. it's, it's like, you Every know. seven years. Every I don't years. know what it is what for is women's sexuality, but uh-huh. men up until the age of 40 are thinking about sex every five minutes. Mm-hmm. And have wake up with boners in the morning and other stuff is like, whereas women's sexuality is much more. Um, I would. How would you describe women's sexuality, Colette? Well, so women the actually. Only lady yes, right. Yeah. Let me. Let, you know, please tell me. Tell me about women's sexuality. No, no. I was about uh, to be like, like the phases of the moon. <laughs> when you see someone doing something you don't yeah, want, you're like, women are more like, girl, no, stop, girl, stop. Um, well, women reach their sexual peak actually Sorry. in in their, around their forties. Um, the closer that they get to menopause, um, the the more they are sexual. So it's interesting that like usually men reach their sexual peak like at adolescence. That's when they're like horny all the time, and you know they you can go off in class or anything at, the, at any moment. Um, <laughs> and then women uh, biologically, it's when they're around middle age. Um, but by that time, you have like the emotional and intellectual uh, maturity to be able to decide when and where, you know, you uh, get dirty with it. <laughs> well, and so okay. the idea of Panfar nice. and Star Trek is that their species goes through a mating season, which can get really wild and violent. Mm. Every and seven years, yeah. Every seven, seven years, years, is it, right? And, and the, you know, and the Klingons are also seem to bite each other. Vulcans bite mm-hmm. each yeah, other, Vulcan, you know. But we also don't know what the Vulcans is like. They go yeah. through Pond Far, but does that mean they can't have sex the rest of the time, right? I think they Because, you know, Sarek is yeah. with Amanda. You know, mm-hmm. she's a woman. Yeah. She's, she's a human. human. So he she might be, needs. like, pleasing, they would, pleasing they would her. They logic, I think, to be like, well, if you need this, it's logical to do this. So it is logical to have sex with you. Or is he having a headache for seven? Seven years. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, if you you see people go through Ponfar in some of the series, right? To Paul mm-hmm. and does Tuvok go through it? Yeah, Tuvok goes through it. Yes, Tuvok goes through it. But it kills him if he doesn't get laid. It can kill it blue can, balls. Yeah. yeah, it's really it's bad. It's on blue yeah. balls to, yeah. of death. And they Vulcan. have to. They yeah, either Vulcan. have to yeah. fuck it out or they have to fight it out. Yes, this it's one of those ways. Fever has been purged. <laughs> <laughs> The best episode really was Belana Torres. <laughs> oh my god, she's half Klingon, half human, and I guess uh, one of the uh, Vulcans on the ship falls in love with her, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "I want you, baby. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna." Ha-. So he, he devises this crazy scheme to get her on the surface of a planet, and she's like, "Get the fuck off me!" <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for her. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and so you know, it's it's kind of fun to see them exploring the. Uh, 
I think what the thing about the Vulcans is that they create this perfect species, right? Mm-hmm. And then they point out all their flaws. Mm-hmm. And so we, the humans who watch Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, enjoy seeing this, you know, made-up species and seeing all their insecurities and their shortcomings because then we feel like, in some ways, we're better. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a, a thing about Star Trek is that it's humanity's best future. Mm. We're uh, we're diverse. We're we're chill. We got it mm. together. We're exploring the universe. We're high in mushrooms, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you Super know, high. and one of the other big reveals from this episode is is you know we 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 saw before the Michael Burnham receive uh, Sarek's Katra because there was some kind of explosion, right? Mm-hmm. And she she had died, and when this was revealed that she actually did die for three minutes, and the explosion was caused when she was at school mm-hmm. uh, because she was the only human going to the Vulcan Science Academy and people didn't like that so they tried to blow up the school just to get to her. Which is crazy like do they get her alone and then try to blow it up or are they going to blow up all the kids just because there was a human there? You know, well, you remember like in Earth history uh, when they integrated high schools and Mm. elementary schools, uh, there were people outside throwing bricks and rocks and bottles at the schools. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a reflection of I that. I think that's so, what exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely some. You know, and, definitely and Norman Rockwell did a portrait yeah, of the Vulcan did. Science Academy. <laughs> the, the first day that Michael was walking yeah, to school Michael. and those yeah. little yeah. braids in her hair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the cutest you know, I'm looking at it right now. The problem, yeah, we, all, the problem right we all live oh, with. Gosh, I actually yeah. saw that in the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, oh, nice. Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Tomatoes thrown against the wall and the N-word written behind her. Uh, people escorting her in because it was, you know, it was a big it was a big deal. Now, you guys are probably too young to remember integration uh, but even right. like when I was you know in the 80s it was they didn't call it integration back then they call it school busing mm-hmm. and they were busing okay. kids mm-hmm. to different schools and it was you know even back then it was causing a big uproar well in today's age I think it's, it's kind of a foreign concept for a lot of people who live in wealthy right. communities to have kids from uh, disenfranchised communities mm-hmm. bust in mm-hmm. to go to school with their kids like mm-hmm. I ask people all the time like do kids from other neighborhoods come to your school? And they're like, hell no. Mm-hmm. no yeah, yeah, no, there's uh, the suburbs. Yeah. I mean, in the, the suburbs. suburbs, it's real. I mean, I went to Chicagoland suburbs in high school. It's very segregated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more segregated now than it was in the 60s. I think, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good solution. I wish that I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, there yeah. was a school outside of St. Louis and another school of Boston uh, recently where they tried to do it, and the same arguments came up. And it's interesting. People assume just because you're from a poor neighborhood and it might be like a violent or um, a neighborhood where it's more prone to crime, that they assume that those small children have those same values and that somehow that's going to you know get onto their kids. Mm. So, uh, and, yeah, it's still a problem today. The sad thing mm. about it is, is that they've done a lot of studies in the workplace and in terms of like creativity and problem solving and when you create an environment that is diverse and embracing of multiculturalism the result in the individuals in that system is increased creativity even for people who come from a position of power oh definitely because it's it's about not seeing things as they are exactly yeah exactly Understanding that uh, you know diversity is not just makes you feel good; it mm-hmm. actually makes your company, better. it makes your community better. It, you can overcome things sure. faster mm-hmm. and Absolutely. and quicker, and that's that's the message of Star Trek. I would right. Say. I mean, that's like linguistic diversity too, right? The, the more linguistic diversity you're exposed to, the more you're able to sort of understand the nuances of your own language and mm. the way you communicate. Because so you learn things because uh, different languages have that different you, concepts. That English yeah. doesn't have, just right? Even and things, so it really gives yeah. you an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, to me it was like it, it was really easy to get all those language questions right and, you know, on the SATs because I'm right. bilingual and right. it's like, and I was like, and part of it is like from people who are bilingual, we also have an ethnocentrism that mm-hmm. we assume mm-hmm. everybody thinks the way we do. Right. You know, what do you mean you don't know Spanish and English? Right. Doesn't everybody? I mean, the majority of the yeah. world is bilingual. It's really just Americans. Again, yes. anti-American sentiment yeah. with Star Trek. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just Americans who are pretty monolingual compared to a lot of other Well, you countries. think like in the future with all these, um, you know, I mean, we're starting to see all these apps like Google Translate mm-hmm. and, and these earpieces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um would people bother learning new languages in the future or just rely on the technology to communicate with each other? I hope that that's not what happens. I mean, there's so many pluses, like we're just saying, about learning different languages. That um, and, and also, there's always going to be like a gap 
in, 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 in some type of translator, you know, even if it's translating while it's happening, because there's different idioms and, and phrases and, and the way that it's communicated mm-hmm. tonally as well. So and the intimacy with the language, you mm-hmm. know, you're not going to have that same kind of intimacy talking into a computer and then translating it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is I, this is a huge Star Trek issue too, right? I don't know. It just feels like well, in Star Trek they have the universal universe. translator because it's but, just it's a plot device, so they they don't have to like speak another language to somebody. They but can just even understand in them. like right now in Discovery and in um, Enterprise, right? It's not perfect. It's not like it is in Voyager, where it can figure out really bizarre mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's it's really still rudimentary. It still really requires someone who does understand linguistic diversity mm-hmm. to get through that. I the whole Klingons at the end where they like switch into English and it's that is a little confusing to me as a linguist I'm not entirely sure what's happening there I'm yeah. like so are they why are they speaking in Klingon we've kind of talked about this before well, and they he did was it talking again. to the admiral so he wanted the admiral to understand but what I'm shouldn't saying shouldn't her universal translator get Klingon anyway because yeah. we figured Klingon out this is what I don't under mm. this is what I don't understand about this particular series because all the other series they make it very clear. Like, I just assume in other series of Star Trek that you are talking in your native language, okay? Um, this only comes up a little bit in Enterprise, where T'Pol goes, I'm explicitly instructed to speak English. I won't speak Vulcan on the ship to be rude, because the universal translator isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. But it seems like on Discovery, it's pretty good. Um, mm. And so that's where I get a little confused. How do the Klingons know English, but, you know, the Admiral doesn't know Klingon? That's a little weird. Wouldn't her combat really be able to communicate to translate it immediately? And the, so the whole yeah. the whole Klingon versus English thing is kind of annoying me as a linguist right now. Isn't Saru's mm. character? He doesn't right. know he, any. English I don't think he knows English. I don't think all. his. What? I don't think. Yeah. His, yeah. I don't That's think it's been, it's been established that the the RuPaul of, of the species. <laughs> yeah. I call him RuPaul because he's super tall and skinny. Yes. Uh, I don't think his no species ass. has yeah. the physiological ability to produce human speech. It might be able yeah. to produce a humanoid intelligent language, but I don't think it has. I don't think he has the like the physical capability to produce human speech the same like way. So he's talking, right? Like, he doesn't have like a voice box, and he doesn't have a tongue in his his mm-hmm. la- So like, what makes humans versus like non-human primates well, be able to speak? Make, is what do you think our, he sounds yeah. like just normally? Probably something more <laughs> like maybe a bird, right? Yeah. Where how like a parrot oh. can make certain noises because um, parrots can imitate ducks, can imitate like. Well, you know that crocodiles uh, have learned how to imitate the sound of dogs, mm-hmm. and they That's hang out by riverbeds, and they're like, rawr, rawr, rawr. What? And, and the dogs come over to investigate, and they eat the dogs. You can't trust mm-hmm. nobody. That's smart. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> nobody these days. Well, and there's some cats that uh, taunt. Uh, there's yeah, you can watch these videos on YouTube, and the cats are just like, yeah, until their human comes in the room, and they're like, nothing happened. The other, you know, the other big reveal that we've on this episode is we actually heard Spock's name for the first time. You know, we're you know six episodes in, and you know we know that Michael Burnham is Spock's part of the family, so it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, that relationship uh, gets uncovered, and when we will see Spock. Mm-hmm. Do you think it? Do you know who plays it? Will no, it be Zachary we don't Quinto? know yet. Do you think he'll? I hope it's Zachary Quinto. Special guest. Well, you know, Brian Brian Fuller did hire him for Heroes, and that's really oh, when uh, Zachary became famous as mm-hmm. being on Heroes. Yeah. So uh, we shall see, because you know, I don't think I don't know how many more Star Trek movies they're making, but I don't really right. see him on much else. And so. Zachary Quinto oh. ain't working right now. He's like, mm. give him, give me a job. <laughs> get your coins. But you know, they also might it. want somebody a little bit younger, right? Mm-hmm. It takes oh, yeah. six, oh, yeah. what, ten years, six, ten years before Kevin yeah, Kirk's? Ten years, yeah, ten, ten years, years before, before Kirk's Enterprise. Okay, yeah. they could make them look young. It's fine. Well, they could do like yeah. a Star Trek babies yeah. and have them teen all Spock. Yeah. as teenagers. Teen Spock. Oh, my gosh, teen Spock. That'd be kind of cute. cute, cute. You know? right. Teen Spock. And they'd be like, <laughs> so in the, in the upcoming episode, we're going to see a, a romantic relationship between Michael Burnham and uh, Valk. I mean, <clears throat> Ash. Ash Tyler. Mm-hmm. 
I and didn't catch that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So yeah, there is a, a point in the preview for next week where they are kissing. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'm trying to see them get down with the swirl. Mm-hmm. They both attractive, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm down for that a little Star Trek after dark or something. Oh now one thing um uh, that we were talking about was uh, Michael Burnham's hair mm-hmm. in the first episode was all nice and quaffed out. Mm-hmm. And that might have been because of her heritage as a Vulcan. Oh. Right. And now that she's on the Discovery, mm-hmm. we're starting to see her natural hair yeah. most of the episodes. Yeah, so uh, it was when they had the, the flashbacks to when she was with uh, uh, her father and uh, with her, her mother, she had the straight hair again. Just flat so, ironing her hair. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that was originally how she wore her hair. Uh, but it was I, I very did, Vulcan. It was very, very Vulcan, Vulcan, you know, very mm-hmm. flat. Very, very, you you're Vulcan, you got to have flat afros. hair. Yeah. Uh, no froze. No froze. No natural <laughs> hair. They, they don't mm-hmm. go for that. Um, or you have to Tuvok. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now she wears it, and she was wearing it flat as well um, on the last ship, but now that she's on Discovery, she's wearing it natural. And so it's definitely a choice that they're making, but they haven't really explained why they made that choice. Mm. Was it a good choice? I just think this is I mean, they're both wigs. I think it's, it's showing her, <laughs> I think it's showing her rejecting yeah. her Vulcan upbringing and being oh, like, yeah. embracing something okay. new. Too. Right, I think that's I what that. it is. But yeah. I don't, yeah. Emb- yeah, embracing her humanity. Yeah, so she's getting in touch with her African roots. And, yeah. and that's and that's okay. a lot of what Star Trek is. And they always have that central character is who's the person trying to get to their humanity. There's you know Spock trying to get mm. to yeah, their humanity, and then you look at Next Generation Data, who's you know an android trying to find his humanity, and then on Voyager, it's Seven, you know, seven, seven of nine, nine like, right. who am I as a human being? But, you know, good news, though, too, is uh, Discovery has been uh, greenlit for a second yes, season. I saw that, yeah. So yes, we don't know when it'll premiere, and we don't know how many episodes, but CBS said yes to the disco. I want to do a shout-out to Todd. I want to do a shout-out to Todd at Disney um, on the iTunes Music Store. He wrote us a nice review. Aww. Okay, Under the Discovery Todd. Podcast? Yes. Awesome. What the Track, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, is listed separately from Feast of Fun. If you are sick of all our drag queen... Uh, c- pop culture artists interviews on Feast of Fun and only want to get the Star Trek juice mm-hmm. uh, just subscribe to Star Trek A Star Trek Discovery on iTunes you should just subscribe for- to both of them anyway you should yeah. you know, those, you know, bump those numbers up to hear me but again. you can uh, so, so he wrote um, Todd at Disney said everything you guys do is professional and entertaining as hell mm. a top notch guests and subject matter Thank you for endless hours of entertainment. Okay. Oh, nice. Thank you. So they really, he's saying about you guys how much he appreciates your contributions. Uh, Colette Gregory, uh, you can be found performing here in Chicago. Around Chicago, yes. Uh, I.O., Second City Comedy Sports, uh, doing improv and sketch, and uh, also doing stand-up at various venues. But you you have a sort of a social media page that people can I do, yes. To. Follow me on Twitter at, at Coco underscore therapy. Uh, Coco with an A. So follow your girl. You know, I say funny, cute things. I'm, sometimes they're woke. Sometimes they're ratchet. Get you a girl who can do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And Foxy Kim. Hi. Miss Kim, if you're nasty, always. Uh, is always at Scarlet. Mostly. Mostly. Yep. mostly. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm at, Scar- yep. I'm at Scarlet every Thursday and Sunday for frat night and then liquid brunch. And then you can catch me at Geek House every last Friday of the month at Berlin Nightclub. Yeah. And you've got a monster mash coming up this Friday. Yeah. Yes, this Friday at Berlin Nightclub, Monster Mash. Uh, so, classic horror. I'm excited to do Melanie Daniels from The Birds. So, Ooh. awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe I'll pull out my yes. little monster outfit. Yeah. I'm going you. as the most mm-hmm. terrifying thing of all. What's that? Student. A mirror. <laughs> oh. A reflection of all your failures. <laughs> hey, that? guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your uh, insights to what the tra- to Star Trek. I was like, what is the name of the show? Star Trek <laughs> Discovery. This has been What the Trek. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.